We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deep Herd operates. Welcome back to the Grains Combo Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. In today's episode, I'm talking with Deeper's Senior Research Scientist, Glenn Ruth Muller, and Research Scientist, Justin Laycock, about harvesting patchy crops and managing wind erosion over summer. Welcome to the podcast, Glenn and Justin. Glad to be here. Hi, Janet. Hey, Glenn, we'll have a chat with you first. We know that crops are pretty variable across the wheat belt this year. Um, Some areas have received some really good rains and others are really dry. What's the impact on harvesting? Well, unfortunately, really short crops uh, are really hard to get into the harvester. And so that's that's always the problem for uh, getting the yield. The yield is already low. We don't want to lose any more yield than is already there. So we have to try and modify the harvester a little bit to um, to get the crop in. And so I generally start with the knife. So, Glenn, can you give us a bit of advice on how you make those modifications? You've mentioned the knife. Can you just give us a very quick rundown of some of the things that growers might be looking to do? Sure. The uh, Probably the, the quickest things is looking at the knife and also looking at the reel, whether we can improve on the old core flute that we used to put on the uh, the tine reels to improve their flow, air reels as well, and modification that that costs a bit more. Unfortunately, the adaptation to the tine reel is a bit the cheapest modification to do. The air reels are a bit more expensive, but growers I've spoken to about that the depends on the program size. Uh, it could justify the cost of an air reel uh, compared to these other systems. What sort of things would growers need to be doing to make sure that they can get the comb low enough to harvest some of these crops? Uh, some of the fronts on headers can be tilted a little bit to uh, reduce the angle of the belt, say, on the belt fronts. Uh, the tin fronts aren't so bad. They generally get fairly low to the ground, but belt fronts uh, may have to be adjusted a little on the feeder house to, to get them fairly low. But the knife is probably the thing that stands out to me, and it really only come to me when we were doing some short lentils one year and we spent a bit of time setting up our plot harvester with the knife sections cutting correctly on the ledger plate on the knife guards. They should cut like a pair of scissors and the, the knife sections should be they're sharp and they should be prickled your finger when you drag your finger along. And what we found was when that, that knife was set nice and, and cut evenly, the knife would, would slide really easily too, which also makes a lot less... Uh, stress on the knife drive if the knife slides nice and smoothly. But the lentils just flowed in the front nicely. It was just amazing to see the difference between what we were doing with just the knife sending anywhere and when it's set correctly, the material would just fall back in nicely. Instead of being like a blunt knife, unfortunately, it tends to, with the ground speed going forwards, if it doesn't cut it, it tears it. And so the tearing action propels the the plant forwards and so you get your material falling up the front and and same with the short barley and cereals the same so the sharp knife nice and prickly and cutting on the ledger plate 
is the key to get started, I think, with these short crops. Now, some growers say, Glenn, yeah, but after the first round of the paddock and I hit a stone really close to the ground, the knife guard is out of whack. Well, what some growers have done is put a little, like a six-foot piece of pipe on the side of the header with an end on it that fits onto the knife guard and just bend the guard back. You don't have to take the knife out to do that. And so you get the knife back where it should be. And, and that's also a safety thing because if the knife guard bends a bit and rubs the knife, then you can get a fire started, which is the last thing you want. So keeping a check on the knife is important. And that's where I think a lot can be gained. We already have, say, double density knife guards to reduce the shaking of the plant sideways. So with a either three inch or four inch system, uh, you can have double density knife guards. There seem to be more of a trend towards a four-inch system now, and I think that's because of canola. Some, some canola, if the plant's out by himself, can grow a really thick stem, and that can have a problem getting into double-density three-inch guards, whereas double-density four-inch guards is more open, and so lets it in better. So I see quite a few companies now have the four-inch guards, um, so you have to have a four-inch um, knife stroke as well, but that seems to be a bit of a change anyway. Glenn, you've also mentioned ground speed. Uh, what about harvesting? What speed do you think are you recommending growers go with these short packs? That's a tricky one. I have been on a header when it was really poor crops and he was doing about 14 k's an hour, <laughs> but it was limited by the reel speed because the reel wouldn't turn fast enough. But it's a bit, bit scary at 14 k's an hour because uh, if you're concentrating on that knife, you don't want to dip it in the dirt at 14 k's an hour, but generally it's it's whatever the driver is comfortable with, and as long as the reel is still turning just that little bit faster than ground speed is the ideal situation. So that's generally what limits your speed. Glenn, you've been talking about the ground speed and making sure that the reel is going at the correct speed. Uh, is there anything else that growers need to know about the reel? Yes, well, this is probably the, the biggest change I've noticed is um, – in previous years, we talked about putting core flute, black core flute, on the uh, tine reel to make it more into a bat reel, usually once or twice per round to sweep the material off the knife. But a couple of growers have come across this high-density polyethylene sheeting, uh, HDPE, and at only one and a half mil thick, they've found that it's, it, it wears better than core flute, and you can drill it easier, so you can zip tie it onto a, um, the reel easier than perhaps core flute. Core flute's like plastic cardboard, and it can tear at the holes where you uh, put the zip ties on, say. Whereas this high-density polyethylene uh, is stronger and wears better. And so you can buy it in one and a half mil, 1.5 mil, or 2 mil, or 3 mil thickness. I've seen growers with 3 and 1.5, and so it just depends on what you want to try. But certainly that plastic, if it, if it ever did come off, and it wouldn't, if it went through the rotor, it wouldn't cause any damage to the harvester, which is important as well. And I must say that generally any, any modification to a harvester, if it's not approved by your dealer or manufacturer, that you wear the risk. And in this case, it's one of those things. If it's a brand new harvester, you might consider not using it for some of these poor crops anyway. But if, if, it, if it's a, a risk you're prepared to take, then that seems to work. And, uh, and you can also buy these uh, duck foot or paddle tines. Two companies sell those that go onto the reel instead of the uh, straight finger. Uh, they're a bit wider, and so they can uh, drag the material in as well off the set sections. And I've seen some of those just put on the centre section where you have a little bit more build-up than all the way along. But you can do both easy, easy anyway. The only other thing with the reel is maybe air. Now, air is 
more expensive, but it does have the versatility that you can, it's like the old style with fingers or tubes down the front that carry the air down. They can be lifted up out of the way and it's in front of the existing time reel. So you're not actually replacing your reel, you're just putting it in front. And so if the bigger crop, you can just lift it out of the way and the shorter crop, you can just lower it down and make use of it that way. And you, if it's uh, a good crop, like in the southern part of the state, say this year, well, then maybe you could just take the belts off the, the aerial drive to save some power. And that's probably the main thing about the, the reel. Glenn, you've previously been on Grains Combo last year and you were talking about harvest losses. Can you just give us a quick recap as to why growers should measure their harvest losses? Yes, that was uh, probably the most outstanding thing that I come across in these header schools that GRDC were running, is talking to growers about what they thought they were losing. And when these uh, catch trays were put on and measured it, it's just amazing that you you think you're doing really well and maybe you're not. And because the harvester spreads all that material that comes off the sieves out, you can't see it. And you might think, oh, well, I'm doing okay. Or even worse, if you've got a destructor on there or something that uh, pulverises it, you can't see that either. So it's best to actually measure the losses. And uh, things like canola, you really don't want to be losing too much because of the price of it. So measuring losses and changing small things at a time. So if you measure your losses and find that, oh, it's a bit high, then you change one thing at a time. So you might change your rotor speed, for instance, and then check it again. You might change your uh, setting on the sieve itself, the opening. Or you might change the, the fan speed. All those things affect the losses. So by measuring it, at least you can have an idea of what's going on. And maybe after a while, you might get a feel for what's, say, the start of the day versus the middle of the day versus the hot part of the day. You get a feel for what the setting should be. So you may not have to keep measuring because it does take a bit of time to measure losses. But once you get a bit of a feel for how you do it, I think uh, then you can carry on and, and certainly reduce losses and Losses that are on the ground, if you don't have sheep, of course, is, is money wasted. Glenn, is there anything else you'd like to add or mention or want growers to keep in mind before we go? Uh, yes, there was oh, one thing about canola. If the, if the canola is pretty patchy, it might be handy to desiccate the crop this year because even though it's a poor crop, the trouble is you get thin crops. The canola stems can be very green and so you have better patches that are ripe and then green patches and that green stuff can cause problems in the rotor. So desiccating the canola could be handy. The other thing in general is that uh, it's, driving with a comb close to the ground can be very stressful. So um, you, know, you really need to be alert. And I think anything that, to stay alert would be, would be good. Some people say chewing gum helps or just simply taking enough rest helps because you are concentrating harder on the front with short crops. So, uh, and staying safe, of course, that's the other thing. Uh, harvests uh, can be dangerous, so um, just look out for other people and uh, make sure you know where they all are so we can have a safe harvest. And, Glenn, if growers are looking for more information on some of your tips on harvester setups, where can they find that? Yes, they can go. I've just updated a, a bit of info on that on the uh, DPIRD website. Uh, it's probably easiest just to use your search engine to find harvesting short, patchy crops. There's an article we just updated this August and uh, have a look through that. It's got some pictures of some of the year as well. And also, if there's growers find things that are more of that I've missed and I'm learning about this stuff too, please give us a call and let me know because then I can pass it on to the guys in the future. Thanks for that, Glenn. Justin, we'll switch over to you now. 
With some patchy crops, there can be some issues with erosion over the summer period. Do you have any advice for growers in regards to stubble heights when harvesting? Uh, yes, the primary purpose of ground cover is to actually just disrupt the airflow and therefore the, if you have a thin crop, it's all about trying to have that extra height, as much height as possible to disrupt that, that wind across the surface, particularly at a higher level. So if you've already gone out and you've evaluated the risks of erosion on your paddock and you've decided that there is a need to harvest, then sure, we can go out and harvest. But if you feel there is still a wind erosion risk, then maybe you could go out and leave strips of crop that are unharvested, which will mean that it should disrupt that flow across the paddock as a whole and hopefully prevent wind erosion. Now, the downside is that it's going to look quite ugly, but then again, that's preferable to wind erosion. Now, the second factor that we probably should consider is what the surface condition will be like after you've harvested. Is it going to be all loose and fluffy and susceptible to erosion, particularly if you're going to graze that stubble over that summer autumn period? In this case, your stubble height is going to be critical as well as ground cover at preventing wind erosion. So what is your recommendation if they do go in and harvest? Do you Are you saying to leave as much stubble there as possible, basically? Yeah, the more stubble, the better. We recommend 50% ground cover on general to prevent wind erosion. Now, if you maintain enough ground cover, it's going to keep your options open in the future. So if we have some summer rain and you have the weeds, you can go out there and spray your weeds. However, if you have a bare paddock, you're going to be stuck in the situation of, do I spray my weeds to prevent seed set and problems with seeding, or do I keep my weeds there in order to protect my paddock from erosion? The second factor is, are you going to dry seed your paddock? In which case, if you've got enough ground cover, you can go ahead and dry seed. It shouldn't be a problem. But if you have a bare paddock and you disturb that soil, it is going to be highly susceptible to erosion. And no one really wants dust blowing through the house. So therefore, I'd highly recommend maintaining 50% ground cover. But unfortunately, it is not an exact science. And in some situations, 30% ground cover will be enough. In others, you may need a lot more ground cover to stop that erosion. But now that we have this magical value of 50% ground cover, the question is, how do you actually measure it? In a pasture, it's really quite easy. You can go out there, look between your feet and just make an estimate of the amount of vegetation cover. A good thing to do would be to step over to another spot and look at the amount of bare ground. And that's simply because we're quite biased and have a tendency to over or underestimate the amount of ground cover or vegetation. From a stubble point of view, you probably want to lay your crop over and again, have a look at it from above and make an estimate of how much stubble is there. If you haven't harvested that, you're going to have to account for the amount of the head and the crop that will be chopped off due to the headers, header. And then you should also think about how much of your paddock is going to be disturbed from your header and chase have been running around. And therefore, how much ground cover is there going to be on the paddock as a whole? Now, your other op option is, rather than looking at percentage ground cover, is to look at the tonnes per hectare of stubble that will be left behind at the end of the end of harvest. With one and a half tonnes of stubble, there should be enough there to prevent any sort of erosion. A wheat crop of roughly a tonne or maybe down as little as a 750 kilos will should produce one and a half tonnes of stubble. And then from there, it's all about management over that summer autumn period. Justin, what is the ground cover like at the moment? You do a bit of work with satellite imagery. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what it's like out there in the paddocks at the moment? Uh, things are looking surprisingly good. Uh, I've looked at the August satellite imagery and it suggests that only a small proportion of the landscape, less than 5%, has less than 50% ground cover. I probably think this is due to the previous season or two consecutive good seasons, and a lot of farmers are retaining their stubble. And it's this extra stubble which is filling the gaps in between the thin crops, which really highlights the importance of retaining stubble to prevent wind erosion. And is there any other advice for growers going into summer about managing paddocks to prevent erosion? 
I think a lot of farmers could go out there and just reflect on what they've done in previous dry seasons, what's worked, particularly in the 2019 season or in a previous dry run of seasons, say back in 2006 and seven, and just make a decision based on your previous experiences. If you have livestock, have you tried the confinement feeding in order to preserve ground cover across your paddocks and simply sacrifice one particular paddock, particularly if it's a heavier soil type or a gravelly paddock, would be an ideal selection choice. Otherwise, just aim for 50% ground cover, that one and a half tonnes per hectare of wheat stubble. And you might want to prioritise areas that are closer to town or busy roads because no one wants dust affecting their lives. Justin, did you have anything to add just before we go? I would suggest checking out the Season 2023 webpage on the department's website. We continually update this webpage with a whole lot of information from livestock management, pests and disease, water supplies, climate. And of course, this year, there's a whole whole lot of extra information dealing with the dry season. Glenn and Justin, thank you very much for coming on the Grains Convo podcast and sharing with us your work and your insights into harvesting short patchy crops and managing erosion for summer. Thank you. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back on the 1st and 15th of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening.